But good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, before we begin our worship, just two things from me. First, a reminder that our game night is scheduled for tonight. So feel free to bring a game, bring a snack, come hang out and play games with us and fellowship with us. Uh, also a reminder that September newsletters will be in your boxes, so make sure you pick that up if you haven't on your way out. Are there any other announcements or prayer requests for the congregation? Yeah, first. Hey, pray for the Tom Craig family. He passed away yesterday. The Tom Craig. Craig, yeah. Okay. Right. If there are no other announcements, then I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy 
in the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister in the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Kiri Eleison. Christ have mercy. Kiri Eleison. God, with all your faithful followers of every age, we praise you, the rock of our life. Be our strong foundation and form us into the body of your Son, that we may gladly minister to all the world, through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him. But I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. 
Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me, and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. The word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 138. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. When I called you, you answered me. You increased my strength within me. They will sing of the ways of the Lord, that great is the glory of the Lord. The Lord is high, and the Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you keep me safe. You stretch forth your hand against the fury of my enemies. Your right hand shall save me. A reading from Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members, of, members one, one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, 
and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you build on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's a story that Lutheran pastors have handed down through the years. that tells of a Lutheran pastor who was visiting a member of the church who was on his deathbed. And the pastor asked the dying man, Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, and not in your own good works? The dying man said, Oh yes, pastor, I am a good Lutheran. I have not done any good works for many years. The humor, of course, is based on our understanding that we as Christians are supposed to be about good works, doing good things. But as we've heard throughout Romans over this summer, we've heard over and over, but we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by faith in Christ alone. We are saved by grace, not by works. But if we dismiss doing good things, what will the Christian life look like? Where do things like charity and loving our neighbor fit in? And this is what Romans 12 begins to address. Martin Luther King Jr. coined a great term for the Romans 12 Christian. In his book, Strength to Love, King writes that according to St. Paul, Christians are transformed nonconformists. And that phrase captures the contrast outlined in Romans 12. It's the contrast between being conformed to this age and being transformed by the Holy Spirit through God's word. In Romans, Paul has preached to us that we are buried with Christ in baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised by the Father, we too are raised to new life in our baptisms. The word of God given to us at our baptism, given to us at Holy Communion, proclaimed to us in our worship, that word transforms us through the work of the Holy Spirit. But externally, we still wake up each morning and see that the old world and the old us still clings on. The world still goes on in its sin. And we too continue in our sin. We too do what we know that we should not do and what we do not want to do. Externally, it seems that the world is still in conflict. It's still divided. And so we live at the same time in two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of this age, in which sin still reigns, in which the devil works to oppose God. But we also live in the kingdom of Christ, in which we are completely free of sin and condemnation, and by faith, God makes us righteous. Well, what then? What does it mean for us to live in two kingdoms at the same time? Well, here is where St. Paul begins to apply the promises that he's given to us throughout his letter to the Romans. 
he holds up before us a new possibility, a new existence as people of faith in this present evil age. And I want to point out how practical this will be, because as a pastor, I tend to have this conversation throughout the week, and it boils down to the same basic question, which is, what's happening in our world? How is it that things spiral out of control so fast? What's it going to mean to be a Christian in America in 30 years? What's it going to look like for our children to be faithful throughout their lives? And so although we can see how quickly and publicly our society is opposing God's word, these questions are not new for the church. They're the same questions and the same realities that the church faced 2,000 years ago in Rome. And it's these questions that St. Paul is bringing to the forefront. And Paul begins with this contrast of being conformed and being transformed. Because to be conformed to this age is to take a posture toward the world that we might be changed at will. Right, we often think of being conformed in social settings. You've seen this happen in yourself when you were young, or you've seen it in your children or grandchildren. There's always a pressure to fit in socially with the people closest to you. You hang out with people and then you begin to dress like them. You begin to talk like them. You begin to like the things that they like and so on. But it's malleable because when your friend group changes or your environment changes, then you also begin to change a little bit. You conform to what's around you. And in philosophy, Aristotle argued that we become what we do. In other words, we conform to our actions. You want to be a gardener? Well, you spend your time gardening, and then you become a gardener. You want to be a reader? Well, you have to spend your time actually reading. We will conform to what we prioritize externally. And this was the basis for centuries of Christians who became monks. They wanted to be a people of prayer or charity. They wanted to be different from the world, so they separated themselves from the world and spent their whole life devoted to a rigid, a rigid schedule of prayer and charity. But notice here how Paul is going to work against that kind of reasoning in Romans 12. Because he says that the Holy Spirit's work in us is not going to be a work of conformity, but of transformation. The Greek word for transformation is where we get our scientific word for metamorphosis. To be transformed is not a matter of simply conforming to something external. Instead, being transformed it is what grows externally out of what happens inside of us. You are not transformed by your environment. You're transformed by something that happens in your heart. And Christians recognize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Transformation is passive. You cannot transform yourself. You can try to conform yourself to an ideal, but you cannot transform yourself because this is the work of God alone. Actually, our gospel reading from Matthew 16 illustrates this well. How is it that Peter knows how to confess the identity of Jesus? Well, God transforms him in that moment. He transforms his heart to the truth. Peter was not conformed to the world in that moment because the world was getting Jesus all wrong. They said that Jesus was just a prophet, just like Elijah. But Peter confesses something different, that Christ is the son of the living God. This was the work of God in Peter that then flowed out of him externally through the words of his mouth. 
Paul is arguing here in Romans 12 that the goal is not about trying to make yourself into something in this world. The Christian life is not about winning approval, either from God or from the world, by trying to do good things. Paul is saying, rather, that when you have faith, the Holy Spirit is at work within you, transforming you. The life of faith is the life of trusting in God's promises to us. It's not a life of self-improvement, but it's a life of daily dying in our baptisms and being raised anew in the gospel promises. And it's all the work of the Spirit. But here we see what the Spirit does to us. He makes our bodies like factories of good works for our neighbors. The body becomes the instrument by which the Holy Spirit works good gifts for others. This is God working through us. And actually rightly understood, the ELCA's motto of God's work, our hands, is a good assessment of Romans 12. As long as we understand that it's all God's work, it's all God working through us. And often this transformation is hidden from us because it's an interior work of the Spirit. Often, when we look closely at ourselves, the only thing we're going to see is our body of sin. We'll see our failures. We'll see how weak we are. We'll see how our bodies are physically failing. We'll see the things we are incapable of. We'll see how we've messed up. And we don't put any confidence in our ability to do good. But this is right. And this is precisely why God keeps us in our, in our mortal bodies for now. Because we learn that whatever good we bring to this world, it's not we who accomplish it. It's God who accomplishes it through us, apart from our natural abilities. God doesn't want us to try to count up our good works or our spiritual gifts. Instead, God wants us to daily die in our baptisms and daily trust that he will raise us up. As Paul says, we are living sacrifices. The sacrifice is that which is burnt up and destroyed as a sign of thanksgiving and trust. And so in a sense, we are living sacrifices when we trust only in Christ and trust that he will create in us the works of love for our neighbor. We give up confidence in ourselves, give up confidence in our flesh, give up confidence in our own natural abilities. And we live in the daily reality of learning to die to this world and being raised again in Christ. We live learning not to hope in what we might make, how we might make God happy, but we learn, we learn to live in the hope of what God has already done for us. Our hope is not in being conformed to the world. It is not hoping that we win acclaim through being successful and well-liked in this world. It's not a hope where we try to work ourselves to become holy people so God will acknowledge just how good we are. It's not about trying to turn ourselves into something by changing our environment. Because these things do not result in true good works for our neighbors. What we do for our neighbor happens best when we put our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit transforms us, creates in us a new heart. And this happens in our daily work and our vocations. God transforms our hearts so that we can love those around us in our callings, in our vocations as a parent, as a grandparent, brother, sister, child, as a farmer, as a baker, as a candlestick maker, whatever it is, as a neighbor and a friend, as a citizen, and so on. In all of these relationships, God produces good works for the sake of others. When we simply put our faith in him 
and trust in his promises. The transformation is never about trying harder. It's never about trying to get all your ducks in a row, but it's about first putting your hope in Christ. Because you see, transformation means that the person, that is you, precedes the work. We don't become what we do. Instead, we do what we have become through God's Spirit. And because we are saved by faith alone, we're free to do good works. We're free to love those around us. We're free because we don't have to join a monastery to please God. We don't have to do some drastic measure of faith to show the world just how holy we are. We just simply love those around us. We serve them. And we do that through our vocations as parent, as neighbor, whatever it is. It doesn't take a great work of holiness, something extravagant in front of the world. It takes simple faith that you are saved by Christ alone. And so we get back to this question that I posed at the beginning. What does it mean for us to live in this present evil age? What does it mean to be a Christian in an age that so aggressively opposes God's word? How are we to do good things in this world? Well, the answer is entirely passive. Put your faith in the word of God, live out your vocations, trusting that God is almighty, and then don't worry. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's the gospel perspective. That's what it means to be a transformed nonconformist. We believe that the Spirit will transform us and that the Word of God will do what it wants in the world. You don't have to be what the world demands you to be. You don't have to change the world. You don't have to expect the world to change. You simply have to be faithful, trust in God's promises, and then love your neighbor that God has given to you. You don't have to be conformed to the priorities of this age to please your neighbor. Instead, you just let the Holy Spirit do his work that he's already begun in you. And this is a message of freedom. Because you are saved, you are no longer condemned before God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So you simply get to live who you are, where God has called you to be. There's no pressure on you to try to please God, to try to be a holy person. Simply live trusting in God's promise to you and let that living flow out into love of your neighbor. You get to live freely as a new creature, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the love of God found in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Together let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he arose again, and he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, from you and through you and to you are all things. You have built your church on the confession of the gospel and have promised that the, that the gates of hell will not overcome it. To your church throughout the world, grant the faith and courage to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God Almighty, you transform your church by the Holy Spirit so that she does not conform to this world. Draw forth from your people their proclamation of thanksgiving, that they may tell of all your wondrous deeds. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our o Lord, grant that the office of the ministry may be honored among us, in order that we may confess our sin and be absolved in the name of Christ. As you have so graciously forgiven us, grant that we may extend this grace by forgiving others. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, care for all families, children, single adults, and youth, that they might steadfastly walk in the way that leads to eternal life. Grant an increase in wisdom and grace to all who teach and all who learn. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, grant that all nations and leaders, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, might act for peace, promote godliness, and protect all who live under violence, oppression, injustice, and fear, that all people might extol you. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, care for all victims of disaster, for those stricken by illness, for the aged and infirm, for the grieving, and for those near death. Especially we lift up to you Jim and Matt, Charlie, Jane, Nancy, Jamie, Steve, Martha, John, Brandy, Marilyn, Virgil, Tony, Carolyn, Amanda, and those who now mourn the passing of Tom. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we give you thanks for the saints who have walked faithfully in the confession that your son is the Christ who has come for the forgiveness of our sins, and who now rest from their labors. Grant that we may also walk as they have until the day when you gather us all together in your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, dear Father, we commend all for whom we pray, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
praise and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness and called forth beauty from chaos and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness, forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God, rekindle your gifts within us, renew our faith, increase our hope, and deepen our love for the sake of a world in need. Faithful to your word, O God, and draw near to all who call on you, through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Gathered by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.